ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? Well, my son and I just hooked up my laptop to the big big TV and watched a couple of trailers nice. uh, and got a little excited. Also, listen, I got to tell you this: had dinner with uh, some listeners last night. Yeah, uh, lovely family with the last name of Burnham. Mm. Owners of a, a large laser, uh, parents of a very couple of very cute kids, one of which is a boy and one of which is a girl, even though I initially uh, referred to her as a boy. So that's no good. <laughs> and um, they forgave you for that? Yeah, honestly, I just wasn't really paying any attention. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. We went and, and uh, got a free meal out of the podcast. And I brought Mimi, if Mimi reads the Bible. Oh, nice. And then here's the thing. The main reason they wanted to have us over was not really – uh, to have dinner, but to make sure I got a copy of Avatar, The Last Airbender in my hands. Yes. And I have already, my son and I watched the first one last night, and it's like a cliffhanger double thing, so we're hoping to watch the second half of it today and really blow through them. It, it's the premise of it and the way they jump into the story, very cool. Yes. And I can tell from a storytelling point of view that uh, it's, that whoever whoever has put this in together knows what they're doing. Um, as far as building a world and 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 kind of throwing you into the middle of it, but not in an overwhelming way. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty geeked about it. So that's that's pretty cool. I am pumped that we are finally going to be able to do a a podcast when you finish this and and talk about this because I have been, um, you know, biting my tongue for the longest time not to, you know, reveal anything big. And um, I mean, there's not a you know not a ton of spoilers in this or anything like that. But I I'm looking forward to being able to sit down and talk about it and do uh, some comparisons with the dragon prince on it as well so uh, i'm nice. excited um, now did you ever watch m night Shyamalan's uh movie version that, like live action yeah movie? that horrible travesty like <laughs> that shouldn't even be called the same name because it's not fit to you know spit on the boots of uh of the cartoon version yeah i saw that <laughs> So I should watch that too, though, so that I can also be irate about it. Right? My yeah. son and I will watch it. We'll, we'll get it. You know what? Maybe I, I bring Kelvin in for three minutes when we talk about this. And yes. His impression too. Yes. Yes. But, oh my but the uh, the home the the trailers we watched were Far From Home, Spider Man Far From Home. Yep. Um, which, uh, if we discuss that, I guess there's got to be end game spoiler warnings. Yes. Uh, and then uh, the Sonic uh, trailer. Yes. Yes, but which got but, a lot of fan pullback this week. Yeah, and and I I saw that I saw both of those as well, and so um, I'm looking forward. But before we do that, Zach, uh, you have a a sponsor for us, don't you? Oh yeah, I wanted to encourage everybody to uh, get online and get over to Ligaris Roasters and order your bag of these go to eleven blend coffee. Uh, it's whole bean, um, it's fire roasted, uh, organic. Blends. <laughs> and, and if you, if if you, here's the thing. If if you went there and you found that, I would only be a little bit surprised <laughs> because literally everyone know. And I admit, gut check was not the first. Although Ted and I were talking about and actually in talks with the coffee roaster in 2008 about about making gut check coffee. But nice. uh, Happy Rant was the first ones to get their blend. Then was us. Then was the curmudgeon. Then yep. uh, table of milk. Do you say malcontents or malcontents? I don't know. I haven't listened to it in a little while. Uh, and I think there's at least three or four more. Like whoever was on Missionalware, uh, that's old news. Now the new thing is to have your coffee. Um, that's right. So, 
<laughs> is there a Doc and Devo blend? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I would have to look at that. Basically, that's just Folgers, I think. They just... <laughs> but here's the question. I think I want people to tweet if you want me to reach out to, because I have a direct line to Hector Ligaris, the man, uh, and, and see if we, if we can get a blend going. You'd have to promise. We'd have to get a few people, a dozen people, to promise to buy some. Yeah. Because the yeah. last thing I want is for him to go to the trouble of even like preparing to sell it, and then um, it, you know it just it doesn't really go anywhere because the market's already flooded with delicious coffee. Here's what you haven't had any of his. Have you had any of his stuff, dude? Uh, you know, you are going to um, probably uh, excommunicate me from your life after I tell you this. I'm not a coffee drinker. I knew that, and I, you know what I had done? I had blocked it. Oh, okay. So that I could keep respecting you. Gotcha. You know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm doing right now, Nathan? I'm blocking it again. <laughs> so, that, so that we can move forward with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. It's, uh, I've lost time. <laughs> I've just lost 20 seconds of my life. Where did it go? <laughs> Tell me what your impressions are with a little in-game spoiler warning of the Far From Home trailer. Um, super excited to see it. Uh, I saw your comment uh, that you made on Facebook the other day. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, I finally just saw um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse the other day as well. So, so, um, so good. It was. It was really good. And it's funny because I was sitting down. Um, uh, my my buddy Nathan, uh, you know, podcast on Phantom Galaxy, let me borrow the movie. And he's like, um, and, and so I went to sit down and watch it and Joy's like, well, you can put it in. I, I don't know that I'm really interested. And she sat down intending to read her book and she looked at me within the first couple minutes of the movie and she's like, this isn't all what I, what I anticipated. She's like, now I'm torn. Like, I really want to watch this movie now and I'm in the middle of my book. Um, so she ended up, uh, putting the book down and watching the movie with me. Take that reading. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was like, honestly, I think that would be if, if we lumped it in with the MCU, which obviously it's Sony, it's not. Right. But I, I, if I lumped it in with those, I would say it was ranked second or third of the whole as far as being a great movie. Yes. Well done with just like just sucks you in. Yep. has even kind of a good message. And yeah, uh, but my, my comment that you're referring to is that uh, the homecoming yes that iteration of spider-man the tom holland spider-man it yep. yoinked number of things from the miles morales uh multiverse alternate universe character right um yep. including that he goes to like a gifted school yep. um that he uh has this guy in the chair friend who's like an overweight funny asian guy that yeah, it's like kind of an, so nerdy he's super cool uh, who knows his secret and is kind of his backup. Yep. Uh, he's called uh, Ganky in uh, the Miles Morales comics. He's called Ned on the Homecoming. So they didn't actually like use the character per se. And right, then I said, right. now this time it's going to be a multiverse situation after Into the Spider-Verse. And I mean, granted, multiverse is you know pretty standard comic fare. Right. But it just seemed like too big a coincidence. And like even though I like Tom Holland, at this point I would rather have another Miles Morales movie that looks like a moving comic book and has an amazing soundtrack. I got that CD in my car. We nice. listen to it all the time. That it's is so good. awesome. Yes, it is. It is amazing soundtrack. Um, can I give a couple theories though on the Tom Holland one? Um, Let's hear it. Because 
seeing Mysterio in there and, and kind of looking at the dialogue and things like that, to me, the spoiler in the twist is going to be if he ends up being who he says he is. I think he's making all this up and he's the one that's doing all this stuff. And to me, the, the real twist is going to be if he's actually there uh, trying to help um, what he says is going on with these tears and you know the dimensions and all that stuff. In in that you you see a villain whose face is completely obscured. Correct. And you're thinking maybe that oh that's that that is actually if that is what happens I'm going to be a little pissed at you that it doesn't catch me off guard <laughs> because you've anticipated it. But yeah, that's not a bad theory. So that's I, I love the uh, the little exchange with him and MJ where he yes. says. Uh, uh, listen, MJ, I'm, and he's like searching for the words and she's just like, Spider-Man. Yeah. It's super obvious. Right. <laughs> what a, dude, that cast is just, that, that, that was such a good Spider-Man movie. And I don't know about you. Were you, were you a little bit kind of like groaning at yet another reboot when homecoming came out? I, yes, I was, I was, um, you know, I mean, honestly, I was kind of groaning when they did the reboot with Andrew Garfield because I felt like it still hadn't been quite long enough to reboot Spider-Man at that point. Um, and, you know, I think I think there were some good things about, you know, the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield um, that did it well. But like I still I still remember seeing the Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire when that first came out and just how awestruck i was at it like sam raimi is such a genius yes man. yes absolutely and so to me you know i wasn't quite ready to see something else but then um you know and then they came out with andrew garfield and they did two and one was kind of legit and two was not i mean That's two true. they yeah. just went right to you know spider-man three at that point where it was like, let's just throw a whole bunch of stuff in there and see what sticks, and nothing really stuck. Yeah. Um, it all sucked, but it didn't right, stick. Right, exactly. <laughs> nothing stuck, but everything sucked. Sucked, that's right. <laughs> um, but, but then, let me yeah. Let me suggest a rule, just parenthetical, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, perhaps in general, and I call this the Barry Allen rule. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to reboot until the guy who last played the hero is old enough to have a cameo as the father. Yes. Of- the character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's I think that's a good rule. I think, you know, enough time passes where you know, you have a large enough generation gap to say, okay, you know, it's it's been long enough. Let's uh let's go ahead and do this now. Uh, but I was I was super excited when Homecoming came out. It was everything that I wanted it to be and more. I mean, I I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan, so putting him in almost anything, I'll go see it. Um, I might not like it, but I'll definitely go see it. And, um, you know, perfect choice for the villain. And so moving into this next one, I am excited for it because I'm looking forward to, like you said, seeing the cast again, looking at that chemistry, watching how things go. Uh, you talked about the latest trailer that came out, uh, and you have uh, the the Eddie Brock character – you know, kind of making fun of him and stuff and like, you know, talking about Spider-Man and how, you know, he's got this, you know, kind of bro crush on him. And then he just kind of looks at Peter and he's like, uh, you're a loser. Um, you know, and so that whole exchange I think is, you know, dynamite and I'm looking forward to seeing what else they're going to bring to it. I do think that for, I was also excited about homecoming. I didn't like, like once I saw the preview, I, I didn't, grown anymore about the reboot mm-hmm. but i think that the way they backdoored it in 
mm-hmm. was we we got that moment watching the Civil War trailer. Yes. When when Tony whistles and yes. shouts underoos. Yep. <laughs> and then he comes flying in and literally everyone stood up at their keyboard and like fist pumped the air and was like, oh, my gosh, they got Spider-Man. And like, like <laughs> then all of a sudden we were just in like it could have been anybody with yes. that mask. on, And we wouldn't we would have been in like yeah. the fact that he was now going to be part of the Avengers world. OK, yeah, there's no there's no complaint here. Right. And he really is just dude. What a good Peter Parker. Yes. He, Although after watching Spider Verse, I kind of like Jake Johnson a little better, but right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to this one, and I, you know, I'll be I'll be right there. Um, you know, either either opening night or uh, the next the next night. Uh, you know, definitely opening weekend watching this. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's going to be awesome. I I don't like the Sandman. Mm, yep, I yep. just don't like that kind that far from reality. I've mentioned before my favorite stuff has always been like just a, a you know a little standard deviation from what's possible. Yes, and I like characters to be rooted. I like Batman and the Punisher the best because they could conceivably happen. Yep. Robin and Nightwing, yep. you know, Huntress, all these people who are like, okay, they, they could this could be Spider Man. All right. I mean, there's suspension of disbelief, but then like, I mean, like even like the the Sam Raimi, they like show you like his heart and like different. Like, and you're like, oh, I see this. Is there supposed to be like a scientific thing going on here? Right. He still has organs. They've just changed. Like how the world. That's where, that's where they lost me with Spider-Man Three. Yeah, yeah. With, with, and that's a very. I, I, that's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Um, but just that character, I was just like, no, too corny, too, too. Like dorky and comic booky and space fantasy sci-fi, so we'll see how if they can win me over with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree one hundred percent. I but I I am I I think it'll I think it'll be good. I think they'll do a good job with it. And then uh, the other one that uh, y'all were looking at was uh, was what? There were two, right? Sonic the Hedgehog. That's man. right, Sonic the Hedgehog. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this first. I thought it was a movie I'd be going to see it like under silent protest because my son is a huge fan of Sonic. Uh-huh. Not only the games, but also the cartoon where Stinkin' Urkel does all the yes, voices. Yes, yes. Um, but when I saw the preview, I was like, that looks A, hilarious, especially the Jim Carrey stuff. B, like a perf- like like somebody who – a committee of people, granted, but people who had – a, a real gift for taking totally untranslatable material and adapting it for the screen. And I think it looks awesome. And then the choice of the like ironic, like Coolio music and everything. <laughs> and, and then I find out later, like the whole, every fan of Sonic saw this and had a conniption because he doesn't look right. And he has teeth or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? This looks 10 times better than what I expected. Um, <laughs> that exchange between that, like, He's one of the few Christians in Hollywood. The, he's like a that, that like pale-eyed, you know, werewolf-looking guy from Justified and everything. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Plays the he and he's like, "What's your name?" And he starts to say it. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. I was dying. And, and even the Universal logo with the the rings instead of the the circle around the yeah yeah. The, 
what did you think of it? Did you did you think it looked bad? Um, I mean, I, it looked like it was it should have been made back in 1995. Um, that that just <laughs> CGI quality. Um, yeah, I I think I think Sonic didn't quite have the look. Um, which is neither here nor there. To me, I would have actually been more excited, particularly after seeing um, Into the Spider-Verse, if they had done something like that, where it had been an animated um, film like that as opposed to live action. Because I was watching Into the Spider-Verse, just to go back real quickly, I don't, and I was thinking about this, I loved it as an animated cartoon. I don't know how it would have translated into live action with all the stuff they were trying to do. No. Um, and, and you wouldn't have been able to have the different styles and everything. Right. They had anime in there with the corny like Spider Ham and right. Oh, it was so good. Right, and and I think that's part of what made it really good and and made it what it was was they were able to pull you into this world and and do all these things because it was animated. I don't know that it would have had the same impact or effect if it was live action. Um, and so to me, that's the only thing that's kind of going through my head. I, I'm definitely going to see it. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to laugh um, uncontrollably at it, but I'm wondering if it would have been a better choice to have made it an animated thing as opposed to live action. That's my only kind of thought on it. Eh, I don't know. I like the guy who plays the the main character, the cop. Um, he's from like in James Marsden. Yeah. Him in, uh, there's a great Netflix show uh, they just dropped a little while ago called Dead to Me, and he's on that. He's, he's oh, is guy. that good? I, I saw oh that drop, gosh, and I haven't dude. seen it. Watch the pilot and tell me it's not literally in the top three pilots you've ever seen in your life. It's okay, really well done. Okay, and, I mean both of those women are two of my favorite actresses, and it's just they carry that thing. It's just great. Nice, uh, nice. but. But uh, like I don't know if it was a cartoon, I definitely wouldn't want to see it. Okay, I don't think I think it would just because of the association of that corny cartoon from the nineties. Sure, stuff, sure. I, I don't know the, the fact that they they kind of made it seem super epic, and then they kind of panned themselves and played on that. Like I don't know, I, I felt like it was a, a good. They struck a good tone to make the dads who are going to have to see this thing not despise it. And, and then like the, the grown men who aren't going to see it because they're dads, but because they, you know, have the gold membership at GameStop, right. like, <laughs> Oh no, you did it wrong. And it's like, come on. Yeah. It's and just I, a dumb comic. Or right. A right. And I think I, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I don't think they did it wrong. I think, Again, I think it, it just reminds me of something that, you know, I would have seen, like I said, back in like the mid 90s. But I mean, maybe that's what I like about it. <laughs> it. Hey, you never know. And and the thing is, like, I think, I, like I said, I'm definitely I'm going to see it and I will I will enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy uh, Jim Carrey. I think um, I'm trying to think back to a comedy that he did that I didn't laugh at. Um, and so. You know, I'm definitely I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy him in the role and the humor and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I've actually kind of given up on looking at a trailer and being like, oh, this is the movie I'm going to get from the trailer, because I think, you know, producers have caught on to that and, and marketing people have caught on to that. And so there's a lot of misdirections and even, un, you know, scenes that maybe in deleted scenes, but they weren't in the movie. And so I'm, you know, kind of over trying to guess what it's going to be and just say, Hey, when it comes out, I'm going to watch it and see what it is. 
Yeah, yeah, but I do like I do like the the hype and all the kind of fan theories and pre-discussion that comes out of trailers. And I honestly watching trailers to me is probably more enjoyable than watching movies. My <laughs> family will tell you I, I get all angsty if I think we're going to miss the trailers when we go to the theater. Oh and yeah, yeah. We had we had a uh, thing um uh, on our TV when we got like a smart TV along or like a, a Roku box or one of these type things like a Sony box yep. and it had an app called Naked Trailers. Okay. And, for, and I was like, what the crap is this? Why is this on here? <laughs> And, and then I uh, read the description on it. It was like just nothing but trailers. And it wasn't like you'd, you'd choose them. It was just like a TV channel that was constantly playing trailers. Trailer. Dude, I would watch that for like – I'd watch that for an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> I loved it. I've always said if they sold tickets, um, you know, like matinee prices to go sit in a theater and just watch – Like two hours trailers, of trailers, yeah. I'd do it. I love the, yeah. the anticipation of it and what's coming up and what's coming next and what looks dumb and what looks fun. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know that it's it, you can make a crummy movie look amazing. Right. And you can make an amazing movie look dull. Right. In a trailer. But yeah. And I and, and see, I would agree with you. I love knowing what's coming out. And and like you said, trying to figure out. I mean, you know, my wife and I, we sit down and kind of look at our summer schedule and we're like, okay. We have, you know, two months right now. What movies do we want to see? And like, we'll literally plan out, you know, six or seven movies, um, depending on the summer. And we will, we will start ticking them off as they come up. Um, you know, and a lot of that comes from trailers. We'll be, we'll be in there on, um, on the notes section on our phone, like writing trailers down, um, of, you know, movies that are coming up. So that way, you know, we, we can, uh, plan to go see them or not. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, me trying to predict whether, you know, this is going to be a good movie or not. I don't know that I'll be able to do that based yeah, on no. the trailer that I saw. It's yeah, th- that's, that's, especially when they're all like kind of conforming to the same formula. Yeah. Yeah. So a movie can look like it's really tired and actually be really unique. It can look like, you know, if if they're at the cutting edge, the beginning of a new thing, like yeah, um, kind of trailer, you'd be like, wow, this is gonna be an amazing movie. You're like, oh, never mind. It was just a, a really uh, innovative trailer maker. Right. Right. <laughs> In a world where blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, you may want to go. Uh, you may want to record a three second thing for the beginning of this that says. We're going to warn you about endgame spoilers, but there are actually zero endgame spoilers. In yeah, this episode. That's true. We didn't say anything about the fact that blank is actually blank right now. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll put that uh I'll either put that in the description or I'll uh I'll go back and re-record something. And just so people are like, you know, listen to it later and they're like, "Wait a minute. I waited a month so I could listen to this without <laughs> hearing spoilers." <laughs> oh. Man. One more thing about Sonic. Yeah. Where's Knuckles, man? We need Knuckles. If you're going to have Sonic, you got to have Knuckles. If you uh, so he's not in the trailer, but if you go and look um look up online, there is a couple of pictures of Knuckles. Or not That's Knuckles, not what Tails. Kidna looks like Tails. at all, by the way. Sorry, not Knuckles, Tails. Oh, Tails, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're saving Knuckles for the uh the sequel probably. That's right. But yeah. there won't be one because this has already been rejected. <laughs> Uh, but but the fact that I mean the significant thing is that the director of the movie heard all the feedback and was like okay never mind we're actually going to change the look of the lead character right uh, 
So sorry to all the animators' families, but uh, like, yeah. can you imagine how much wasted money and work and like having to read? And if they, I mean, you can't. There's certain things you can't change. You can't change the height of the character because the yeah, eyelids yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Probably you just change the model and then go through and tweak it. But I mean, I bet I bet that's going to be expensive as heck. I hope it pays off for them. Yeah, I know. I never know. heard of anything like that before, though. I I wonder though, you know, if they ended up. Um, I, I and I think. I think I heard this um, when I was talking with someone because I was talking I was talking to somebody about this uh, last week, and they were saying that they they didn't end up screen testing the trailer in front of an audience, and so they think if they had screen tested the trailer, they would have gotten the feedback a lot sooner, but they just wanted to keep it under wraps and release the trailer. And I I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's something that I had heard. If that's something that's like an option, why didn't they do it with that crappy Ninja Turtles movie? Am I right? <laughs> which one? Which one was that? The one where they turned them into like gigantic, like oh uh, yeah, the, they all yeah. they all looked like Doomsday. Yes, uh, ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and then did you see? Uh, did you end up seeing Ready Player One? I did not yet. No. Okay, all right, never mind. <laughs> so that's one that I uh, I wanted to see for a while, and then. I one night my son and I were going to watch it, and then I went on like one of the uh, you know countthefforts.com or whatever, focus on the family or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. and read, and I was like, ooh, this sounds like it's a little a little rough for his age, mm-hmm. and I really don't think my wife has any interest in it, so I'll have to wait till I'm alone on a you know evening with no plans, gotcha. and uh, going to get some kind of sad Arby's sandwich or something <laughs> and sit down in front of the TV and watch. Did you um did you ever read the book? No. Should I read the book first? I Honestly, I don't think it matters. Um, I liked both the book and the movie independently of one another. To me, the book was a – it was a fun read. It brought me back to all the things that I loved about – that time frame in that era in you know the the late seventies you know all the way to like the mid nineties tons of references even going into you know the two thousands um, but there were there were times where you're reading the book and it's just kind of listing a lot of those things which is kind of it, it's cool to read and it, and it makes sense in in the context of the book in the movie they did a really great job at like putting a ton of stuff in the background. So you're looking at all of these things that are going on without, you know, looking at a list of everything. So I, I felt like it did a really good job at taking the story and, and turning it into something that you'd want to watch and see on the screen. All right. Yeah, I, I usually don't like – if I've read the book and liked it, I usually don't like the movie. So if I'm going to watch a movie, I'll probably just – yeah, and I'm and I'm typically the same uh, the same way, um, but this one I felt like did a really good job at taking what wouldn't have translated well um, in the book to screen and and doing that, and so that was um, that was my thought. But um, you know, I mean, there there are some things that they changed, but it wasn't to me it wasn't a bad change. So I really, like I said, enjoyed both um for for what they were and i thought the movie i mean to me like it's hard for steven spielberg to go wrong with um a movie anyway um so i i really enjoyed both of them um but you know i guess it kind of depends on what you'll have a chance to get through first really yeah 
All right, man. You want to get somber now and uh, talk about? Uh, I think uh, the last enemy. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty sudden shift. But right, I'm yeah. glad we didn't go right from Sonic. Yes, yeah. in the middle there. That is that is definitely true. Um, you know, this is um, it's interesting because we were uh, I was looking at some of um, our not reviews, but we got kind of a Facebook review and someone had given us uh, some praise and was like, you know, this is a really fun reform podcast. Um, and it tends to um, talk more about life issues as opposed to strict, you know, scriptural doctrinal things. And that's kind of interesting because if you listen to a lot of the earlier stuff, um, I, I really don't think so, but this is definitely going to be a, a time where we're going to be talking about more, um, you know, scriptural, scriptural, doctrinal things that come out, and that's um, in the wake of two um, two deaths that uh, occurred recently. Um, and Zach, I'm going to let you kind of talk a little bit about this because, full disclosure, one of these people that you're going to talk about, I had never heard of before. Um, and the other one I knew of, but you had more um, one-on-one interaction with this person. And so I'm going to let you go ahead and just kind of set all this up and, and, and start us off. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of one-on-one interaction with Rachel Held Evans. Um, the, here's the thing. Like when, when she – I mean everyone knows that, that she died last week. It's, there's been a very large uh, reaction in the media – uh, and then inside the church, and then uh, kind of back and forth uh, between different sub genres of the church. Um, and honestly, the the thing that probably most people would think if they know anything about me and they hear Rachel Held Evans is uh, that me and Ted uh, Cluck on another podcast, the Gut Check Podcast, would regularly have a segment and this is, goes all the way back to 2014 when yeah. we would, uh, when we first started, yep. we would run a, a fake randomizer and then we would just read her tweets. Um, and it was kind of a, uh, I don't know, a dry kind of way to deal with a, the, the growing gap between, um, kind of the post emergent part of the church yeah. and the sort of YRR thing that we were in to do it without, you know, like, uh, uh, getting angry and 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 going nuts, uh, and then of course Ted uh, on his other podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the Happy Rant, uh, they had a whole <laughs> had a whole thing where <laughs> early on when Stephen Otrogi was a host, yeah, um, he had forbidden them from from mentioning her name because he and her I think had had a, a couple of kerfuffles, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to sound you know like bitter or personal or whatever. Which I mean I totally respect that. Um, uh, it, he, and so he said, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about her specifically." So when he left the podcast, they were like, "Whoa, we're free to do it!" And uh, he used to always end the program with "Peace the heck out," right? Uh, so they started ending the program. Rachel the Held Evans, um, and then I mean, this woman was only thirty-seven years old. Yeah, uh, uh, wife, mother of two, two like one very young baby, uh, and got a got the flu. Got, I think, a UTI or some kind of infection in her body, mm-hmm. and uh, most people know this. She she got uh, antibiotics that her she had an adverse reaction to. Had it, continual brain seizures. They had to put her into a coma, and just were never able to bring her out without the seizures going. And her brain, I think, it swelled, and and it was not survivable, and she died. 
Uh, and just, oh my gosh, what a horribly sad thing. Um, and I mean, I think most of us in the kind of young wrestlers reformed formerly, uh, camp, uh, it, it's, it's funny to kind of be associated with something that's not really around and associate her with something else that's not really around anymore, which was the kind of the emergent camp. Right. Um, right. Had had some interaction online. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I always found her to be cordial mm-hmm. and nice. And I had tweeted that I was glad that our last exchange was about, uh, she and I were talking about our, how our kids used to be like, just like crack addicts with Thomas, the tank engine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, to, to be able to interact with people on a human level and not see them as a caricature or some mustache twirling Jim Carrey villain in a, a movie, you know, right. like, like to remember that it, nobody's the bad guy in their story, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she was doing her best to, to serve the Lord and, and thought she was bringing the church forward. And, it, it was uh, really – I, I kind of braced myself when I heard she had died for uh, her to become sort of a pawn mm. in furthering agendas and, and for people who didn't like her to start trashing her right away, which happened. Yeah. For people who did like her to start invoking her and kind of reducing her to a rallying cry or a martyr, which happened. Right. Um, I mean, my, my favorite tweet of the past six months was it was my favorite because someone just said it. You know, when someone just says something that everyone's thinking. Yeah. Um, uh, pulpit and pen. Um, <laughs> that that joke of a uh, quote unquote discernment ministry uh, had like obviously pre-written some nasty thing about you know how to deal with the death of an apostate or whatever. And uh, so when right when she died, they just popped it up there along with like this horrible like like sort of obituary that described her as, you know, heretical and and all this stuff. And and, uh, (laughs) this guy. Oh, who was it? I can't remember who it was exactly. But but somebody uh, it wasn't Connor Shelton. He's he's a different guy. Somebody on my Twitter just put (laughs) retweeted the Twitter. uh, pulpit and pen and said, meanwhile, at D-Bag Central. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so they fired shots and then, you know, people took the bait, which, you know, rookie move. Um, fired back and now in, in the wake of this real woman's actual death, yeah. leaving two real children motherless and uh, a guy who by all uh, accounts is an incredible, wonderful guy and, and father – without his partner in life and, and, and his spouse. I mean, we're now already, if you Google, I Googled it just to see what came up. And basically it was just like a few nice centrists. And there were a lot of people who wrote things uh, like Ed Stetzer wrote a really nice thing about her, even though they were kind of theological, um, what do you call adversaries? Yeah. Several people did. Um, and, and what I thought was so cool was a lot of people said, you know, we were not on the best of terms, but she actually has several times reached out to me privately to encourage me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like people, there was some of that, but then there was also, there was probably half of the material. Yeah. And then a quarter of it was anti Rachel Held Evans. Don't forget. She was really, you know, not Orthodox by our definition. Right. And then a quarter of it was, well, look at how, look what happens when people are afraid of a strong, independent woman who thinks for herself. And, and so <laughs> You know, right. it was like half dumpster fire then. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing happening at the same – on the same week when 
uh, Warren Wearsby died. Now, Warren Wearsby, you hadn't heard of, which Correct. surprises me because he's – if we had Greg on here, he would probably tell you that you've heard a lot of Warren Wearsby stuff. You just didn't know it. Yes, yeah. You know how there's like uh, comedians, comedians, and actors, actors. He was like the pastor's pastor kind of. He was uh, – he wrote all the B commentaries, B like B-E, like B encouraged, mm-hmm. you know, B – um, courage, be courageous, but whatever. He took every book that he wrote a commentary on. And it was be something. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they retitled them when they came out with them again. But and then he wrote a book that was really important to me. Uh, when pastors ask, I think that was what it's called. It was him and um, uh, uh, the guy from Lansing here, where I'm from. Uh, for crying out loud, why am I not? Howard Sugden wrote it together, uh, and I read that and and. It's, you know, 40 years out of date and it still applies, you know, just like mm-hmm. this pastoral wisdom. So you have a guy who gave his life kind of under the radar without any controversy, just serving the church, serving pastors. He was well known. I mean, he was in, in a lot of circles. He was thought of as kind of the Billy Graham. But instead of preaching, he was writing. You know, I mean, gotcha. he, he was very okay. well known amongst pastors and, and, and you know, any, anybody who's, who's doing sermon prep on a regular basis. And but but when he died, it was almost like just swallowed up by the all the shouting yeah. surrounding Rachel. And, and of course, when someone dies young, there's more sensationalism to it, yeah. and it's more shocking um, than when someone's in their 80s. But to me, the whole thing was like a little microcosm of once in a while you get ripped out of where you're sitting. It's like grabbing a fish and pulling it out of the water and being like, "See what it looks like from this angle." Yeah. And you're looking at the church going, this is what the world sees when they look at us. Right. Uh, and it was not flattering yeah. uh, at all. You and I, one of our first uh, podcasts we did after Greg left was – or I'm sorry, not after Greg. I, I don't want to erase an entire era. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So sorry, my friend. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Steve. <laughs> that was uh, – you know, I, they, their voices are both so resonant. I couldn't tell them apart. Um, was about like – the response to the death of a couple different people, yeah. you know, a, a hero yeah. villain. And yeah. I think we've said a lot of what needs to be said here. Um, certainly I don't put Rachel Held Evans in the same category as someone like Christopher Hitchens or, right. um, who was it who had died at the time when we were talking uh, about that? Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking. I mean, she, she professed faith in Christ. She was a, right. an, she was part of the Anglican communion. Um, I mean, by most standards of faith, you're going, okay, she's Chalcedonian compliant here. She's Athanasian. You start running through the creeds. Um, but, but even if someone saw her as like an adversary, mm-hmm. in someone's death, finding any amount of glee or, you know, even, even the sort of little self-righteous like, well, there, God showed you. I think that is a real measure for how far we have to go to be like Christ. Yeah. To hear someone has died and and you get a little I mean we're not talking Bin Laden getting killed. We're talking about someone who who spent her time writing books in the marketplace of ideas, interacting with people. Yeah. How afraid are we of of these ideas that differ from our own that that we think the only way to to win the argument is for this person to to go to an early grave. Right. Yeah. Gosh, that's just it really but it's real, man. Yeah. I had people that I'm following on Twitter, was following on Twitter, saying stuff like, Well, I guess God doesn't need her to push the gay agenda anymore. And I'm like, what 
dude, yeah. dude, the funeral hasn't happened yet. You're, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so as someone who didn't really know um, who Warren Wearsby was, but but you kind of can get what where I'm where I'm describing him. Yeah. Um, do you think the church pays more attention to the kind of prov- provocateur, like uh, you know, cutting edge, edgy kind of deal than the faithful and I'm not saying she wasn't faithful I'm saying then the the plotting long-term pastorate the long-term theologian you know like yeah like you sub in anybody from John Stott to whoever sure. you know sure G.I. Packer yeah I mean I think I I think that's true in in any case you know I mean what we're really talking about is you know um a, a celebrity or celebrity statuses, you know, I mean, more or less, you know, and, um, I, I, as you were talking and I was listening to you, I was, I was kind of thinking back on, um, and I wasn't around for this, but I remember being told about this by those who were, um, you know, CS Lewis and JFK died, uh, within the same week. CS Lewis, his death was severely overshadowed by JFK's. You know, and here's here's two men that, you know, I mean, JFK, president of the United States. And again, you know, we're talking about a very powerful position nationally. But at that time, I mean, C.S. Lewis had had, you know, just as much prominence uh, internationally, um, you know, as JFK had. But but, you know, there was just a sense of, you know, JFK was the more popular celebrity. You know, and I think that's kind of what happens is, you know, there's, you know, kind of there's no such thing as, you know, bad publicity. And so, you know, all the the attention that in the name of protecting the faith and the doctrines that, you know, conservative Christians push at people who, you know, um, are are not conservative um, to one degree or another. Um, you know, that causes people on the other end to fight back. And I think it blows this person up to a celebrity status that, um, I think a lot of times we could avoid if we just, you know, talked about these things, you know, as pastors quietly in our churches and just, you know, instead of getting online and blowing this stuff up and, you know, causing attention to come to this. And I think when we come to the death of anyone, there needs to just be such a sobering reminder of of what scripture has to say about death and and in many cases it's weep with those who weep you know i mean this and, and that doesn't mm-hmm, qualify exactly. it with oh this person was orthodox or unorthodox or this person was a believer or not you know richard dawkins who is currently one of the most outspoken um people against christians and christianity well, at this point, we we know what's going to happen if he dies without receiving Christ. That that shouldn't cause us to glee and gloat over it. I mean, that should cause us to you know seriously ponder and consider God's sovereignty and say, God, I know you had the ability to do that, but but you didn't. And man, thank you for for saving me. Um, and and it should draw us to a, a greater depth and appreciation of grace um, when we see that God doesn't do those things. You know, and, and, yeah, and I think that when you're talking about someone who's within the the church visible, yeah, you have another layer of you know 
when, when that person dies, you say to yourself, they, they taught different, different emphases than me. Right. Uh, at many points we were at, at odds. Right. Uh, you read, you know, even her earlier stuff, like my year of, uh, living, uh, biblically, uh, biblical womanhood rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the view of scripture is, is lower, that sort of thing. But you say this person who for sure took the, the sacrament and, and had a, uh, you know, it, sure, doubt filled, but aren't we all you know, struggling against doubt? Mm-hmm. A, an actual uh, confession of faith that Christ is the only way uh, that that she could have salvation, and that grace is is the only way that she could have. Uh, we have hope. We have we have some right. some ground for hope. And, and isn't that the thing you turn to in the face of death? Yeah, is is hope and hope in Christ, and and that's the only hope. And and, and if someone by default wants to turn in a different direction in the face of death that gives me pause um and and it, it i think it's uh it shows uncharitableness at at best yeah and, and you know i i think the the other side of the equation is you don't have to turn someone into you know a canonized saint just because they right. died yeah they're, they're no different i think there there was a big blowback about this doug wilson article he wrote mm-hmm. i read it three times and i said i don't understand this is doug wilson we all know what he writes like and knowing that this is him being very nice you know and, mm-hmm. and saying yeah. the most that he can and he's saying he's praying for her family and yeah. and that he admires many things about her but also saying you know we differed on some stuff that was that's pretty important and then you have sarah bessie saying no 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 if you didn't love her and and follow her get her name out of your mouth uh, and I'm going. No, you don't get to tell me whose name can be in my mouth. Right. Uh, and it, anyone is allowed to say anyone's name, and they're allowed to be a jerk if they want, and they're allowed not to be a jerk. Right. Uh, and and you're not the thought police or the speech police. Yeah. But at, from the point of view of, of someone who who differed from her, I think it's refreshing to hear people say, "No, I still suggest that some of the things she taught are, are severe error." But here's something I learned from her. Yeah, um, you know Beth Moore wrote some nice stuff about her. Um, I think, man, I, I could probably name two or three people that I think I read uh, their their thoughts on her, and I'd be right about all but one of them. So I'm not going to try. But you know, a lot of people did that, and right. you don't have to like like, like I mean, the, the, somebody asked me, uh, do you think that this is going to come back and bite you and Ted that you used to, especially Ted, because he's part of both of these programs, right? Um, <laughs> you used to like, have fun at her expense a little bit, and like kind of have fun with the whole sort of like. Christian culture war, culture conflict thing. And I'm like, no, I mean, A, she, no one knew she was going to die young. Right. Uh, and, you know, to read her tweets and, and kind of joke around with it. Um, I, I know that, that Barnabas Piper, Ronnie Martin and Ted Cluck were not taking her name in vain or trying to like right. defame her name. Um, right. If I, anything, it, if you, if you know the podcast, it was more to drive Altrogi nuts than anything else. Yes. That is exactly <laughs> And she had to have been aware of that, that they were doing that. And I mean, she didn't block any of them on Twitter or anything. I, I, I feel like the, this was a situation where there was someone who had some very strident views, but didn't burn everyone off and freeze everyone out who didn't agree with her. Right. And then in the, the, 
wake of her death, a bunch of people used her death as an excuse on both sides yes. to burn everyone off and freeze everyone out who didn't agree with her. Right. And, and I'm going, you're not honoring her her legacy by doing this, by demanding right. if you aren't going to only praise her and, and agree with everything she said, then get her name out of your mouth. That is not what she seemed to have been about. Yeah. She seemed to have been about um, you know, room to evolve and change your position, uh, room for different people to have different views. And I, I never knew her to go the like Jory Micah way of just like, if you say something I don't like, you're cut off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She never cut me off. She never got rid of gut check or I don't think, uh, uh any of the guys from happy rant or any of the guys from doc and Diva. I mean, there is a wider tent Christianity mm. and, we need as as the culture gets more and more hostile, and I recognize now that I've been talking for a long time, and I need to correct <laughs> you. But as our culture gets more and more hostile to the gospel, mm. which it's doing, I think it's going to become we're going to live or die by how willing we are to reach a little further out and link arms with people who say, "I name the name of Jesus Christ," yeah, and we differ on some big stuff, right? But we're not going to be wasting our time shooting at each other rather we're going to hold each other up and focus on you know if if, if someone's so far out you're like I, I can't be in communion with them fine so be it but right. when the 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 world begins to more clearly manifest the hatred that the world always has for the gospel it, it, you're you're not going to have the time to to doctrine cop you're not going to have the time to discernment blog and you're not going to have the time to, uh, you know, get your pen and write on your pulpit or whatever, you know, right. the pulpit where you keep a shotgun underneath yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to decide I'm pro Jesus here and, and, uh, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be kind and loving to everyone else who says they're pro Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to turn a blind eye right. to false doctrine or heresy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even mean that you have have to I mean follow your conscience if somebody's teaching something that you believe they are outside of the church historic orthodoxy doing it and and you're reading the scripture going I'm not even supposed to greet this person don't greet them mm-hmm. don't tweet about them either then you know right like, right not <laughs> two days after they die let me throw it back to you again yeah and you know I again when we look at scripture you know in in Christ's own words in John you know People will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. That's, that's what the world's going to sit up and take notice of. You know, as believers, it's not the fact that we're getting on Facebook and Twitter and we're saying, I'm a Christian, I'm an Orthodox Christian, and I'm going to blast everyone who's unorthodox. Um, no, I think we can charitably disagree with one another in, in certain contexts and, and have good discussions. I mean, we, you know, we've, done um discussions about social media before on um you know on this podcast and um i i think you know unfortunately for uh both believers and unbelievers you know social media makes um you know bullies out uh, out of out of um weenies you know people that would never dare say you know half the things to your face um, they go on and, uh, you know, get behind the keyboard and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're roaring and raging. I saw a great, uh, meme that I have to bring up real quickly. Um, and it showed 
the Hulk from like the first Avengers, like roaring and growling and destroying stuff. And uh, then right below it was Professor Hulk. And above it, it said, um, you know, people who have discussions with you on Facebook. And then below it was like people who have discussions with you face to face, (laughs) you know, and it's so true. You know, Um, if you were to have sat down and had a conversation with uh, Rachel Hell Evans face to face and you were to have gotten to know her. I have close friends of mine who I consider Orthodox Christians that I still disagree with on things. You know, I don't agree with everyone on every single point of doctrine and theology. Um, And I know people would be like, well, it's different having disagreements on these things as opposed to these things. It's like, okay, well, let's take it down to the realm of, you know, being a real person. I have friends who are atheists. I have friends who aren't believers. We disagree on, on everything that has to do with Scripture and the Bible. I still love them. They're still my friend. If they died, I would still cry at their funeral. I mean, these are still people that we're interacting with and that we're dealing with. And I think if we remembered that, you know, a little bit more before we got behind the keyboard and started tapping away at stuff, we would censor ourselves, you know, a lot more. And, you know, I, you can, you can disagree with someone, but man, the way, the way people disagree with one another is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the disembodied nature of communication today. Yeah. It, it, of, of all people, I think, uh, some great insight comes from Louis CK, um, not in his filthy standup, but in his hilarious appearances on late night talk shows, mm-hmm. uh, when he talked about like how kids used to like learn empathy by saying to someone, you're fat. And then they see the person's face twist up in tears and then they go, oh, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that. Right. Now you type on your phone, you're fat and you don't see the response. You go, oh, that feels really good. Right. And let's pile on some more people. And like that, that's happening everywhere. It shouldn't be in the church, but it is to exactly or at least at least exactly maybe more the degree that it is everywhere else around us. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, Facebook is, you know, I mean, when you when you type those three letters in the front of any address, www, that is for the world to see. And I think we've bought into this lie that, oh, this is my profile and it's private and I can do and say whatever I want. And it's like, no, 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 World Wide Web goes before the beginning of that. And so, you know, you might not think other people are seeing it or whatever, but, you know, you are putting yourself out there for, you know, you tag that person that you are antagonizing and their friends that they have see it. And then, you know, it, it, it's not this private vacuum in which these discussions are taking place, you know? And, and so again, I'm not saying don't disagree with someone, but let's be careful in how we're disagreeing. And there are times where, you know, I, I, I've seen a conversation that I had with someone de evolving and I've just stopped you know what? And maybe they got quote unquote, the last word in I'm secure enough as a person to be like, I don't need to take this any further because if I do, it's going to get bad. And so they can have the last word and feel like they won and that's okay. Oh man, I'm jealous. I wish I could do that. I I said, I've done it before. I didn't, it's not something I'm not great at that. (laughs) There's a reason why I don't tech tech, 
typically go online anymore and post anything. Um, and it's for that reason. I just, I know my personality and I know where I can go with it. And so I've been very thankful for the times that I've done that, but I haven't done it often enough that I feel comfortable and safe, uh, you know, putting myself out there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, again, going back to, you know, this is, um, this is a person that we're talking about and I think it's okay in life or death to have a realistic perspective of, you know, anyone. And like you said, you know, I didn't have to agree with everything she said in order to, you know, speak, you know, in order to even speak about her, um, you know, a, a person, you know, we are all people, we are all, um, sinful by nature and, saved through the blood of Christ. And so with that in mind, you know, yeah, people going on and saying, man, having a realistic perspective, these are the things I really appreciate about her and, you know, really thought were great. Um, these are the things that we disagreed on, you know, that's okay too. Um, so. Yeah. And you know, let me bring up one more other kind of element to this. Yeah. Um, that historically, when we look back at, at Christians that have become kind of heroes, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, we're talking about people like, for example, if you if you look back at uh, George Whitefield, mm-hmm. yeah, great, he was a, he was an Anglican as well, uh, not not unlike uh, Rachel Held Evans, yeah, he was an evangelist, he was a revivalist, one of the founders of Methodism, and yet also a Calvinist. I mean, we're talking about a guy who just kind of set all sorts of things in motion that are still going today. Um, and we hold him up high and then you realize, and I hope I'm not, I'm not conflating two people and, and like after the fact, uh, <laughs> spreading lies, I, I'm quite sure it was he who, who had, uh, slaves, he owned slaves. Mm-hmm. And we look back at that and say, you know, we hate that, but it was, he was a product of his time in the 18th century. Yeah. This was a thing. People owned slaves. It's not fair to, to, I mean, we, we hate it. We condemn it, but it's not fair to condemn him. Um, for that because of his, the time he lived in yeah. and you go, wow, you just let someone off the hook for something huge. And then you'd turn around and not say, okay, this other Anglican writer, uh, loved Jesus, uh, was pro gay, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of, um, her, the, the form of feminism she approached, we, we, we have, a lot of conservative Christians have an issue with mm-hmm. and not be willing to say, ah, but she's a product of her time right. and it's not fair to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean, you're, you're willing to, to can definitely uh, the, the former is a far worse thing yeah. uh, owning a human being. Uh, and I don't need to downplay. I, I think it is a big, important issue. What the right. church does with the kind of LBGTQ question. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, to say, you know, she's at least motivated by wanting to show more love and more grace, even if I would say, you know, to, to turn grace into license is a misunderstanding of grace. Right. But, but you go, okay, she went, you know, this direction with this. Mm-hmm. If I'm willing to extend that backwards to, to Luther or Whitefield or whoever right, and say, yeah, you know, that's, that's really troubling, but it was a different time. Is it just because I also live in this time that I'm not willing to – because there were people who lived in the 18th century who didn't own slaves. Right. And so they could have looked at him. There were people who lived in the uh, 16th century who didn't go on anti-Jewish or anti – 
woman screeds. Right. And they probably could look sideways at Luther and go, geez, I don't even know that guy's a Christian. Right. So if, if we're willing to say, look, there's, there's stuff about everyone. Right. And sometimes it's real troubling. I think it's almost like reverse chronological snobbery. Yeah. Instead of condemning everyone in the past and saying we're great now, right. saying no, everyone in the past gets a, a pass. Right. And everyone now is held to this this standard of being exactly as orthodox as me. Yeah. But I don't have to be held to a standard of being, you know, even more holy, right. you know, like somebody else. I don't have to be, you know, I'm sure David Platt rarely has a wicked thought. So, or so you know, <laughs> like. It, there's there's a, a double standard there that I I just recently started kind of noticing mm-hmm. and being convicted of, and I think it's an important thing to to be willing to just say ev- everybody before that burning away of glorification yeah. has garbage, yeah, and yeah, th- that's that's just where we are, and to be willing to say. Jesus came down and dealt with all of us in our garbage, walked around with a bunch of people who were selfish, gluttonous, lustful, prideful adulterers. Yeah. Can I be willing to extend just a tiny little fraction of that, you know, to, to be willing to dialogue with or, or even at least leave alone somebody else? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree 100%. I think, you know, again, the the ability for us to, um, you know, look at scripture has, you know, made us, uh, and, and I mean this, you know, universally all self-appointed, you know, scripture police. And, you know, I, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing. Um, you know, the way, the way we treat people and interact with people is, is huge. And like you said, I mean, I, you know, have dealt with, um, so many people on the podcast and off the podcast um, who, you know, want to point out certain things and claim certain things, you know, um, from a certain perspective, you know, and, I, you know, I just I, I love throwing those things back at people. And it's like, wait a minute. So you think Luther was okay here. You think it was fine that Calvin killed this person, you know, because they were a heretic. Calvin didn't kill anybody. <laughs> okay. He, he didn't. He had his hit squad do it. <laughs> he didn't do that either. What did he do? He, in fact, what Calvin did was uh, appeal to the town council. If you're talking about Servetus, to have him uh, beheaded instead of burned at the stake because it was more humane and they didn't listen to him and they burned him at the stake. Fair enough. And at the same time, you're right. We say, you know, of course you wanted heretics to die. Everyone did back then. It was a product of his times. So you're right. Continue. I I, I just automatically by reflex defend Calvin. (laughs) That's healthy, right? (laughs) Even if it's hypocritical to my earlier point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we all have that person that we do that with, you know, and, and our, our, you know, ideas and things like that. And it's like, you know, I mean, come on, you know, there's, there's a certain point in time where we have to, you know, look at scripture and we're looking, and, and that's the thing. I think people are looking at scripture and that's where they're saying, oh, this is heresy, blah, 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 blah. But then they forget scripture when it comes to how we should treat people. You know, it's it's the job of elders and leaders to 
impart, you know, discipline on people and we want to just self-impose that, you know, for us. You know, we say the pastor is the head of the church and should be the one and the elders and deacons, you know. And so I feel like, you know what, in, in the proper context, you know, pastors are the ones that should be addressing this. But we as lay people take it upon ourselves to act as, you know, judge, jury and executioner, so to speak. Um, and like you said, we, we forget the past conveniently, um, all the bad things of the past in order to, you know, purge the evil from the present, so to speak. And it it is, it's just, it's, it's annoying and, um, a little ridiculous, you know, let's just, Hey, we're all again going, you know, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it is only through his son's sacrifice that we have any hope of anything. And so, you know, looking at this um, sister in Christ for all intents and purposes, um, you know, as much as we can tell, uh, one day we're going to be spending eternity with her, you know? And, and to me, I, you know, I, I think about what scripture says where, you know, one day I'm going to have to give an account for every idle word that I say, um, man, I'm going to be there a while. Um, but you know, thinking about that and thinking about, you know, the things that I say against my brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and, and not just the things that I say, but also the way that I say them, um, you know, that, um, that, that I feel like should worry people just as much as, you know, the person who is, um, in their eyes, unorthodox. Um, so. Yeah. I don't think you can go anywhere better than that. You you just, you just, kind of summarized a lot and uh one thing i want to mention before we close down and also uh make sure you're on board with this Mm -hmm. is a couple of listeners mentioned to me that they wish we had a group set up here Uh, and and facebook has a thing where you can i I think we should just click create group to increase whatever uh community involvement and i get that going And, and it would be a good place we could maybe mention at the end of podcasts if you want to further discuss this we started a little, you know, thing on the group, and awesome. Uh, if you're if you're on board with that, we can moderate it together, yeah. Or uh, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's a couple of listeners who wouldn't mind, you know, getting a little admin admin pin, sure, on their stash. <laughs> sure. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely uh, down with uh, potentially doing something like that. Um, the one thing that I I do want to start um, mentioning as well um, toward the end is, you know, um, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Um, we want to buy our coffee. That's right. That's right. See, we're going to, we're going to go ahead. We're going to put a, um, a poll up. I think we need to do that on Facebook and Twitter and put a poll up of who would go out and buy our coffee. Um, if, if, uh, you know, we, we, uh, petitioned, uh, Hector Lagaros over there to do that. So we're going to put a poll up. So like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, you know, go ahead and, uh, make sure you, you vote on that poll. We'll get a little group chat thing going on. Um, make sure you rate us on iTunes as well. Um, you know, there are times where we can, um, go all big and get tons of, uh, prizes for those people who will, you know, throw us uh, some love on iTunes in a review. Um, we can't do that all the time. And so I just want to remind people regularly rate us on iTunes. Um, can you rate on uh, Spotify and Stitcher as well? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can leave reviews and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you left us box. one. Awesome. So if you've left us one on iTunes and you want to head over to Spotify and Stitcher and, you know, again, it just, it helps people to find us and gets our name out there a little bit more, um, as well. So, um, yeah, show us some love. 
All right, man. All right, dude. I got What do you got to do? I got to get going. Tell, oh, me, okay. tell me what we did, man. <laughs> tell, tell the people what we did. Dude, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.